United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. The uh, political transition in Sudan and the parallel transition underway in Ethiopia uh, could be the most significant political events to occur in the Horn of Africa since the immediate post-Cold War period. Uh, That's uh, according to uh, the folks at uh, the U.S. Institute of Peace, including Peyton Knopf, advisor to the Africa program there. And you can find Peyton on Twitter at Peyton Knopf. That's at P-A-Y-T-O-N-K-N-O-P-F. And uh, Peyton, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Kent. Uh, so th- that part of the that part of the world, uh, particularly Sudan, has been in turmoil and even outright uh, war for years and years. And of course, we had the founding of South Sudan a number of years ago. Uh, where does it stand today? Is this is this a reason to be encouraged about where things are headed? Look, the situation in Sudan today, Kent, presents uh, both enormous opportunities and enormous risks. Um, President Bashir, the the longtime ruler uh, who had been in power for over 30 years, was deposed uh, by the military uh, in early April. Uh, And since then, what you've seen uh, is an ongoing series of negotiations between uh, the protest movement that was largely responsible for uh, creating the conditions under which he was deposed uh, and the ruling military council that took power after uh, he was removed. Uh, And so what what we need to see is a swift uh, transition to civilian that rule. Uh, otherwise, I'm afraid uh, what, uh, what will uh, result uh, is increased instability or continued instability, uh, as you referred to, uh, and potentially uh, a catastrophic failure of the state. <clears throat> what would you say the chances are that there will be a, uh, a relatively smooth uh, transition uh, from military to civilian rule in Sudan? You know, there have been some encouraging signs, Kent, over the last number of weeks. The Sudanese are very adept uh, at negotiations, as you said. Uh, In some ways, it's it's part and parcel of their very volatile history. Um, And there have been some areas of agreement. For example, the the military council and the the leaders of the demonstrations and the forces of change uh, agreed on a three-year time frame for, uh, for a transition. The main sticking point is who leads that transitional period, whether that's led by civilians or it's led by uh, by the military. Um, I think you know, I have some hope and, and confidence, actually, uh, that the negotiations can succeed, provided that outside actors, uh, neighbors, uh, some of Sudan's neighbors, uh, some states in the broader region, uh, don't see it in their interest to derail uh, the aspirations for democracy and change that animated the protests uh, in the first place. And if, and if those can be ring-fenced, if these negotiations can proceed in good faith, uh, I have some hope uh, that actually we'll see uh, a stable and democratic outcome. Who would be threatened by a transition to democracy in Sudan? So Sudan is surrounded by a number uh, of authoritarian states who I think would fear uh, seeing the sort of democratic model emerge in this country uh, that I was just uh, talking about. Um, You know, you have Egypt to the north, you have Uganda to the south, you have other states in the broader region uh, that uh, really are not uh, all that interested in seeing a country of Sudan's size, of Sudan's significance, uh, transition to to democracy and potentially send a signal uh, to other folks in the region uh, that of, of what's possible. You've already seen some indications uh, that uh, there are ripple effects from uh, from the largely successful protests 
uh, in Sudan, at least in terms of removing uh, the longtime dictator, President Omar al-Bashir. Uh, and that certainly could pose a threat to other leaders uh, in the broader region. We're talking with uh, Peyton Knopf, advisor to the Africa program at the United States Institute of Peace. Uh, what are the U.S. interests in that region? Why is it important to us what happens in Sudan? Sudan is at a strategic crossroads between the Middle East, uh, the Sahel, uh, and North Africa. And so uh, its stability uh, is is of enormous importance in terms of regional security. Uh, It sits astride uh, a vital trade route in the Red Sea, uh, where something like 75-80% of the trade between Asia and Europe passes. Um, And it's also, as I said, sort of a gateway uh, to the Middle East. So um, this is a country with twice the population of Syria, Ken. So it's, it's vitally important to the United States, to its European allies, certainly to states in the region, that we see this transition lead, uh, lead to a stable outcome because the, the, um, uh, the converse of that uh, would be devastating in terms of the, the destabilizing effects either of, uh, elite, of population outflows, of weapons outflows, etc., uh, should we see a collapse uh, of the state into a broader civil war. Well, with that said, how active is the U.S. and, and uh, our, our Western allies as well in uh, trying to uh, make that happen in a good way? Yeah, just last night, uh, the United States and its partners from the United Kingdom and Norway, which is a longtime format for uh, supporting mediation uh, in Sudan, uh, issued a statement calling for the swift uh, transition to a civilian-led uh, to a civilian-led interim government, um, and that's certainly, uh, I think, necessary pressure. What you haven't seen uh, is sort of the diplomatic shuttling. Uh, that many folks uh, in Sudan, frankly, uh, are used to from the United States in past years. Uh, you alluded earlier to uh, to the independence of South Sudan, uh, which came about in 2011, and to no small degree due to extensive, sustained uh, diplomatic engagement by the United States with the parties to what was then uh, Sudan's uh, longest, uh, sorry, Africa's longest-running civil war. So you have seen um, some senior-level engagement from the Trump administration, but I think not nearly uh, enough, uh, given the magnitude uh, of the change underway in Sudan. And as I said, the enormity of uh, both the risks uh, and the opportunities present for the United States and uh, and for international peace and security. So is it your impression that uh, the Sudanese people and perhaps the government and even the military uh, are, are just tired of all the, the war and the conflict and they're just ready to sit down and make this work? I think that remains to be seen. I mean, certainly the demonstrators uh, and those who are on the, the vanguard of, of the changes that we've seen in the last number of months uh, are have been have made very clear uh, that one of their top priorities is ending the internal conflicts uh, within South Sudan. And that's one of the many reasons, uh, I think, that, that the, the forces for change quite rightly uh, demand uh, to have a civilian rather than a military-led transition, because, of course, a number of the um, of the military leaders uh, currently uh, in charge uh, were, were part uh, of, of the conflicts uh, that we've seen over the last decades uh, in Sudan and, and complicit in them. And so it's very hard to see that a more stable, more peaceful, more democratic outcome in Sudan uh, emerging uh, while they're still uh, in charge. And let's look uh, elsewhere in the region at uh, Ethiopia. There is a, a parallel transition underway there, as you say. Uh, how's that going? 
Uh, you know, look, again, I think it presents uh, also huge opportunities, but there are some risks. The transition is very tr- uh, fragile. Uh, it's the first time uh, in its thousands of years of history in Ethiopia uh, for it to have a political transition that did not come about through violence. Uh, this came about also uh, to some degree because of popular protests that then resulted in uh, the, the ruling party changing the prime minister who has instituted a series of reforms. Um, but uh, Ethiopia is, again, an enormous country of 100, over 105 million people uh, it, it, with a very long history uh, and a very fraught uh, relationship to democracy uh, and, and liberal values. And so while you've seen um, some really promising signs uh, from uh, the new prime minister who came to office a little over a year ago, Abiy Ahmed, uh, and, and some of the reformists that he's, he's brought in uh, with him, uh, there's still a long road to go. And, and in this case, I think we also need to see a much more concerted, much more sustained uh, effort by the United States and its partners to provide the sort of uh, both the political and the economic uh, assistance necessary uh, to see that this transition uh, succeeds. Because should it fail, just as in Sudan, uh, the ramifications uh, for international peace and security would be uh, would be catastrophic. No doubt. All right, Peyton Kanov, thank you so much for talking with us. Thank you, Ken. Uh, Peyton is a coordinator of the South Sudan Senior Working Group at the United States Institute of Peace. You can find him on Twitter at Peyton Knopf. That's at P-A-Y-T-O-N-K-N-O-P-F. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.